Who are the best shooters in the 2023 NBA draft? Find out right here where me and my guy Richard Stamen, aka Mavs Draft, will discuss who are the top snipers that will be available in June. Stay tuned. Shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, with my co-host, Mavs Draft. Some people know him as Richard Stamen, but I call him Mr. Mavs Draft. And today, we have a title sponsor, which is LinkedIn. And LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to and faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. Richard, what's going on, man? How are you enjoying the start of the NBA season? And are you counting down? I think we're down to about 13 days to the official start of college basketball season. Dude, I can't wait. I mean, just in general, this is the best time of the year. NFL's on, MLB's on, NHL's on, NBA's on. College basketball is a few few weeks away. College football's here. It's incredible. It's the best time of the year. But for the NBA, I mean, I've soaked up every minute of it. I know we're now one week into the season and you know it feels like we can make a lot of sweeping generalizations but also none of it really matters i mean the spurs are three and one right now they just blew out the the minnesota timberwolves on the road they beat this philadelphia 76ers it's so weird and it throws a wrench into maybe eventually down the road what the tank race looks like for this 2023 draft yeah i just did an article on the nba big board site and it's a shameless plug but I'm wondering who is going to be this year's Georgios Kalizakis. <laughs> I know I pronounced his name wrong. Sorry, Georgios. I know you probably listen from time to time. But remember last year, he was the 60th pick in what, the 2021 draft. Did not play much for the Bucks. Goes in the G League. Then the Thunder signed him with like the last four games of the season. And he played like over 43 minutes in three of the final four games. Played 48 minutes in one game. And it was all basically the tank. <laughs> and so I wonder, like, what random G League player is going to see 40-minute nights? And I think it's going to start as early as March <laughs> because at the end of the day, teams may be tanking. The front office may be looking to lose, but most of the guys on those rosters are fighting for their careers or fighting for contracts, and they're playing hard. And that's what you see with Utah right now. Is those guys are playing hard and so the Spurs. I mean, those are two of the least talented teams in the NBA as far as on paper, top to bottom. But they're playing hard because all of those guys are playing for <laughs> I mean, basically their their NBA career. So yeah, it, it is interesting. And I think the only way you can stop those guys is probably to do what the Thunder have been doing the last few years. Oh, you sprained your ankle. Okay, you're out three weeks. I mean, it's literally like on 2K where you can edit the the player and be like, all right, you know, like broken nose out for six months or something. You can edit the injury and edit the time. That's what the Thunder have done in real life. And some teams, it's not going to be just the Thunder this year. I mean, like you said, March is going to be March Madness for a whole different reason this year with the tank race. Yeah, I've seen Adam Silver has made a few comments about stopping tanking. I would actually love the European model of you get demoted to the G League. I know it would never happen. But that would really change the way rosters are constructed. <laughs> because... Hey, when when 
when a team like, I don't know, say Miami eventually comes back and they're replaced with Fort Wayne, I don't know. I don't know if the league's ever going to stand for something like that. <laughs> I mean, but it would, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it would ever happen, but it would make it fun. That's the thing I liked about my time in Europe is every game counts. And, you know, like for, there's really like not a lot of developmental minutes, even though here in the States we love, this 21 year old rookie even though he's nowhere near as good as this 31 year old veteran we just ready to get the veteran out of there and I mean you know I remember last year Knicks fans were just wanting Evan Fournier <laughs> he like they wanted him gone because they wanted whoever whether it was uh quickly or or um Grimes to play but not better than Evan Fournier right now but anyway that's that's a whole different subject but let's talk about this 2023 class. A lot of people consider this like a really deep class and consider it a class that is definitely top heavy. But in my numbers, I don't see a lot of shooting. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, especially at the top. I mean, what, Keontae George? And then I'd say Cam Whitmore is a really good shooter. Um Outside of that, and like obviously Victor Wembanyama is a really good shooter too, and I think Dariq Whitehead can be one. But I don't know. There's no like, you know, the last few drafts. I think we've been a little bit spoiled. The whole like Corey Kispert in 2021. I think we had two of them in 2020, which were Desmond Bain, Aaron E. Smith. I'm probably even missing somebody. But also in 2022, we had Oche Agbaji. These guys who were considered the best shooter in the draft, like head and shoulders, and they're all going to be lottery picks for the most part, or at least top 15 picks one of them at least this year outside of Keontae George. Like, I don't think, I, I think he's a great shooter. I think he's one of the very best shooters in the draft. It's not the best right now. Like, I don't think he's going to get drafted that like high because of his shooting alone. It's going to be because of his well-rounded game as a guard and that he's going to have a borderline elite skill as a shooter, but not just because of that one dimensional skill. We really don't see in this draft, at least as far ahead, I don't see a, a guy who's purely a shooter that could rise into the lottery at this moment. Yeah. I wonder which guy is going to be, I, I call it the Texas tech guy. You know, every year Texas tech brings in this guy that doesn't have a reputation as a shooter. Somehow they shoot like 39, 40% from three for that one year. And it, it gets them an NBA contract. We saw with Zaire Smith. We saw with, um, uh, Oh my God. What's the, what's the, what's the kid's name from, from here? Um, Jemias Ramsey had a, had a great year shooting and, but they, they didn't have a reputation as a shooter coming in. So I wanted to ask you outside of Keontae George, actually, no, let's just talk about Keontae. If you have him as your, your best shooter, and you mentioned that you don't think it'll be strictly because of his shooting, why he gets drafted high. Do you think his shooting alone, even if let's say, because I think he's going to have a weird role in Baylor with, with two other guys that are ball handlers both are pretty good shooters and if he's reduced to a role as like a spot-up shooter do you think that alone could get him a a top 10 pick see it's tough because he's 6'4 so 6'4 6'5 it's pretty tough to be just like just a shooter when you're that bit when you're that height I think if that does happen you kind of hope he goes down the Devin Booker path who is 6'5 and at Kentucky, he played this role where it wasn't at all what he is now. Obviously, I think most of us know the story of what he is now and what he was at Kentucky, only taking a handful of dribbles for the entire season. 
that's kind of the best case scenario, I would say, of what you can look for as a model for Keontae George if they use him purely as an off-ball player. Yeah, one example someone mentioned to me today was that he should play like the Bradley Bill role in college. Bill, as a freshman, I think only took like 10 shots per game, and half of them were, were threes. We didn't know Bill had all this extra stuff to his game as far as being able to play in, in the pick and roll and so on, but he was kind of reduced to a spot-up shooter. But he showed enough to be, what, I think it was like the third third pick in the draft. And I, I thought that kind of made sense. I know one of my comparisons when I first saw Keontae was Bradley Bill, and it was more so because they both have like this picture-perfect jump shot. Do you think if he played like a Bill-type role, that would be enough? Yeah, I mean, I, I loved Bradley Beal. I mean, I've loved him his whole career. And I think that is probably his, if you look at ceiling, that's probably the number one comparison, right? I mean, they, I'd say almost everything in terms of a skill set, not necessarily at the level, but just what they do is is almost a one-to-one. I, I think it would be more than enough. Yeah, and Bill only shot 34% from three as a freshman. And I think we... Yeah, he definitely improved. But it was funny because even though he only shot about 34% from three as a freshman, people were already comparing him to Ray Allen. And I think it was because they both have this, this like picture perfect release on their shot. And I guess, you know, the scouts were able to project and say with that type of release, we know you're going to be a, a much better shooter than the numbers indicate. And I could also see that for, for Keontae because, I mean, we were in the gym once and we watched him shoot and he's, I mean, it's just a beautiful, effortless release that should be able to extend his range to like that Steph Curry, Dame Lillard type where you're a threat so far out where you just kind of make the floor even more spread because you can shoot from from deep. He showed that in the, in that little, um, I don't know what it was. It was like the tournament they played where Baylor was Team USA. They played in Canada. The summer he had a few thirty point games, and I mean he was he was letting it fly from deep, and it was he was elevating and shooting him off the dribble. So I do think that he is, in my opinion, the best shooter. Also, um, but it's just, I just I'm curious to see what his role is like. I've talked about it before with um, you know Baylor returning two other guards that are pretty good shooters and ball handlers, and I wonder is he going to have the opportunity to play with the ball in his hands, or is he going to be a spot up shooter? Now, who is your second best shooter in, in this class? And it doesn't have to be like the lottery. It's guys that you think will will be drafted. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a really good argument for Cam Whitmore, but I think I might be too focused here at looking at the top. I think somebody who could be in this mix, it, it's a little bit, I don't know what he's actually like as a prospect because I don't know what his game is going to look like at the next level from high school. He's very good in high school. And I think he was actually top um let's see i think he was a five star which is five, kyle filipowski um, i feel like we're going to talk about duke a lot but that dude has a pure three-point stroke at set at 6 11 i really like what he brings in i'll probably bring up another guy his size from europe at one point but uh at some point in this episode but like for filipowski i mean his shot is butter like we talk about smooth shots and smooth releases like th- that is him as well and i'm interested to see how they use him at duke this year yeah, I heard an interesting story about him that, and I don't know how true it is, but this is just what someone told me, that his dream is to go to Duke. It was like something that he's wanted to do as a kid. 
And they were like, do not be surprised if he ends up being like a four-year guy because he loves Duke that much. I don't know how true that is. That was very rare in today's age, but I mean, we see it with, with Drew Timmy. All right, when we return, I want to have a little bit more in-depth conversation about, about Filipowski, but I want to talk to the audience about LinkedIn because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and more importantly, for free. All you have to do is add your job and use the hashtag hiring to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are indeed hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. So you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and more importantly, hire. This is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires for its leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to and faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That is linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. Now, for your second listen, check out the Game to Game podcast. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. So follow the Game to Game on the Locked On NBA, and it is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, this is Rafael Barlow, Director of Scouting for NBA Big Board, along with my co-host, Richard Stamen, a.k.a. Mr. Miles Draft, a Filipowski. Do you think he's a better shooter than Grady Dick? Ooh, that's a tough one. I think it depends on how you value each of what they do. Kyle Filipowski is, I think, mostly a standstill shooter um, at 6'11" though so you know you kind of look at the size is going to be pretty helpful there i think he's also pretty lethal on pick and pops but again it's just kind of the standstill whereas grady dick a few inches shorter what three five inches shorter uh is you know going to be a lot better at movement threes depends on how you value that if you think movement and movement on the wing shooting is better than stretch fives you can shoot the lights out then that's yeah, grady dick if you think uh, stretch five matters more than a wing shooter that can shoot a versatile angles then Kyle Filipowski is your guy I, th I think it's truly a toss-up for me yeah I read somewhere that Bill Self has said that Grady Dick could be like the greatest shooter at Kansas or the greatest shooter that he's had which is kind of saying a lot I mean Kansas has had quite a quite a few uh talented guys but um it, it'll be interesting to see if if uh Grady ends up being a better shooter than, than Filipowski. What are your thoughts on Grady Dick overall as a shooter? Do you think he do you think he's going to live up to the hype and the expectations? So let me bounce back to you before I answer that. What do you think? What are like the general consensus um expectations that you that you think of? Well, I think people are going to expect him to shoot in the high 30s from three. And a lot of shots off movement, but I I wonder with 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 their roster. I mean, I think that McCullough's going to start, and Jalen Wilson for sure going to start. So if McCullough's starting at the three, 
then I wonder, does Grady come off the bench or do, or do they go with a McCullough at the two and Grady at the three and then Jalen Wilson at the four? Um, so, yeah, I'm just interested to see how their lineup works. And just also just to see how he shoots off movement. Kansas, <laughs> Kansas has had a few guys that put up really good shooting numbers and that has fooled me before. I was convinced that Ben McLemore was going to be an elite NBA shooter. And he has been decent. It's just there's other areas that kind of keep him off the floor. If I'm not mistaken, he's not even in the league right now. I think he's without a job. I think this is the year he finally is out of the league because he's been bouncing around for like three years. But to answer the part of Grady Dick, I mean, just kind of looking at the roster, yeah, he might start. I I think he's on the fence. I think at the worst, he's like the sixth most played player. So in a way, there's still a lot of minutes. I do think the volume, though, won't be there like people think. Um, You look at like Oche Baji, for example, I I just – I need to pull up his stats, but I feel like the volume until this year wasn't super crazy. Or I guess actually last year, even so he did take over six threes a game and Christian Brown also left who took a lot of threes. So in a way, those numbers do need to be filled and Jalen Wilson alone cannot do that. But I think he's going to be closer to what Ochek Baji did as a lower classman in terms of just attempts, which was three and a half and four and a half attempts per game. And if that's the case, I really don't know if he's going to get the flexibility and overall volume to hit those high 30s. I think what you're looking at is he'll probably have a few duds of a game. And then, like, if you take those two games out, like, he'll probably still shoot over 36% from three. But if you take those two games out, I'm sure there'll be, like, two back-to-back or something where he goes, like, 0 of 10 combined. And if you take that out, he's probably, like, 39 40%. So that's that's what I would put as my expectation for Grady Dick. I think he'll still be a very good shooter, free throw percentage above 80%. Like, all the indicators will be there as a good shooter. Now, do you have him as a mid first round pick or even as a first round pick at all? Yeah, I think I think there's just something to be said about these wing movement shooters. Like, I mean, we talked about it. Like, you know, we don't know who it is this year. He's probably the best candidate. And because of that, you kind of have to go with the trends and say that's usually a mid first round pick. So um, generally, I'm probably going to lean around that range if he does hit. Now, what are your thoughts overall on Cam Whitmore as a shooter? Are you buying the shooting that he displayed at the under 18s or are you going with a larger sample size, which is not as, I mean, he wasn't as good <laughs> as he I was mean, at the under 18s. I, I haven't looked at the other stuff, honestly, too carefully. He's one of the guys who I feel like I didn't watch a lot of his stuff in EYBO last year. Um, or I think, I think he was in Nike circuit, but um, you know, I didn't watch a ton of his stuff, but I did watch the U18s pretty carefully and, I think the shooting motion is pretty clean. I, I buy it. So for me, I'm willing to just go on that combination. And I know this isn't related to the shooting, but like the athleticism, I think will open up a lot of shots too, because teams will fear what he can do going towards the rim and at the rim so much that they might have to potentially lay off the three just a tiny bit more to avoid those, those athletic moments. Nick Smith. What do you think about Nick Smith as, as a shooter? It's beautiful. I mean, I, I hope he can translate off ball in this role with Arkansas. I know at the time of recording, they're actually still playing their preseason game. So interested to see what those box score numbers look like. But I think as an on ball shooter, I mean, one of the most valuable things I think you can have as a draft prospect, especially at the guard position is off the dribble shooting at a high level from three. And I think he'll actually have that down pretty well at Arkansas and he'll have options to play off ball with Anthony Black and, and some of the other guys out there. I just spoke with someone today that did not have him as a top 10 pick. 
he wow. thought that Nick Smith has been his exact words were he's kind of fooling people and he he was able to ride a good press tour that has propelled him high, but he doesn't think that actual NBA teams feel the same way about him as the press has. And one of his concerns is he just doesn't get to the basket, which was one of my concerns also. But he mentioned that um, he just takes bad shots and he didn't think that he was as good of a shooter or playmaker. He felt like he didn't have a position, which we, we talked about it in the conversation, you know, NBA values, kind of like versatility and guys that can play multiple positions but he just said that he didn't feel like Nick had a true position and he didn't think that he was the shooter that a lot of people think he is so I thought that was I thought that was pretty interesting yeah and I mean I I'm also not super super high on Nick Smith like in my only big board I put out this summer I think I had him at like 10 or 11 and that was my concerns are just amplified by that and I think people could pass him up so I don't think that's an egregious take um, I think having him as an top 10 prospect, though, and right now, I think if teams personally, I would guess NBA teams do like him, though, enough to still have him consensus top 10 for whatever that's worth. Yeah, it, it'd be very, very interesting to see that Arkansas team, because I think that they have a lot of talent. I would not be surprised at all if this is a team that has so much talent that they can't get all the pieces to gel together. But if they go, I don't know, 31 and four, I wouldn't be surprised either. But they just have a lot of talent. And um, I still wonder who is going to be their primary ball handler this year. And if you had to guess, who would you think their primary would be? Do you think it would be Nick Smith or Anthony Black? I, I don't think it's going to be Anthony Black. I, I think it's going to be Nick Smith. I think they're going to use Black as a wing, which is kind of weird. I, I've heard that from somebody else, and I bought into it as like a six seven guy. They're going to try and make him a shooting guard first and then – maybe even small forward and then a point guard, I think, in that order. Can't wait. Can't wait to see it. Even though he had a crazy, crazy dunk last night, and he's one of these guys, I think he's just a sneaky athlete. Talking about Anthony Black. Like, he doesn't necessarily play athletic, but then every once in a while he'll, like, wow you with, like, some crazy athletic play. So if you haven't seen that dunk, check it out. All right, when we return, we'll talk about a few more shooters that I that I have to ask Richard his opinion on. Stay tuned. All right, you are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, with my co-host, Richard Stamen, a.k.a. Mavs Draft. I want to ask you about Marcus Sasser. I think Marcus has a shot or a case to be the best shooter in this class. He shot forty, little under 44% from three last season, even though he only played like 12 games. When you factor in his percentage and the difficulty in his shots, I, I think there's a strong case to say that he could be the best shooter in this class. What are your thoughts on Marcus Sasser? Yeah, he went a little bit under the radar, I'd say, because of that injury. Uh, that whole that whole Houston team, you know, I think they lost a beat with him. But his threat just to kind of hide behind a screen and just pop off the dribble and quick offense too. I think that's going to be a major weapon for NBA teams to look at. I can't remember how big he is. I'm going to have to cheat and pull up uh, his stat sheet right now, but I want it. Yeah. Okay. Six so he's six one. I was gonna, I was going to say six, two was my guess. That is my lone concern. Um, but it's not like there's another guy who hides behind. There, there's many stars in the NBA. I'll say that hide behind screens the way he does and just pops it. And with a very high success rate, clean form, 
Marcus Sasser could be that in a much lesser version. I don't think he'll, I don't think he's going to be like a star in the NBA or anything, but I think he is one of the better shooters in this class. You look at his form and I really think he would have been in this draft too, had he not been hurt. And I think his last game is like Texas state or something in the early part of the season last year. He could be like Chicago bulls, Ben Gordon, a microwave score that just comes in, gets buckets undersized too. But if you put him in the perfect situation where he can just do what he does best, I think he can really help a team. I, I think that he has, a, like I said, a strong case to be one of the top shooters uh, in, in this class. All right, another player that I want to ask you about as far as being a shooter, and I think he's well, he's a little bit older for, for this class, but I've had someone say that they think he's the third best prospect overall in this class. And the player that someone thinks, and, I, and I've heard multiple people say this as a top five pick, and I've heard him, him even compare it to Tracy McGrady. What are your thoughts on Brandon Miller? Yeah, I actually haven't seen a ton, a ton of him. Um, but from players I've spoken to, I know, I know they had a secret, uh, secret. I, I, it's always so weird to me to use that term, but the secret scrimmage versus TCU, and the the I, I heard from somebody that was in the game that said that boy cold, like he is. He had, I think, two or six points or something in the first half and then had over 30. It might it might have just been even 30 in the second half. It was ridiculous. Like, athletic, can get to his spot, pull up over guys. And also, he can defend. He has a crazy motor out there. Like, I mean, he just wanted to do everything. And, like, he was trying very hard in this secret scrimmage exhibition. I think it says a lot. I think people are going to be surprised by him. I think the results may be lagging behind the process, but the process is going to be beautiful given his size. Yeah, he's a little older. He'll be 20 and a half on draft day, which means he played high school ball at like 19. Um, I did hear, or I actually had a, a, a scout reach out to me and was asking me, did I have like a player comparison for him? And he was torn between, is it like, a young T-Mac or is he like more like Paul George? Either way, I mean, that's a, a pretty good, a pretty good combination of, of players to choose from. Now, is there another shooter that you believe could be one of the top shooters in this class that we haven't mentioned yet? I don't know if, yeah, I, I think we haven't said the international guys, so I'm going to, I'm going to lob it overseas to your forte, but I'm curious what you think on someone like Tristan Vuk, uh, and correct me if I'm saying it wrong, but I'm just assuming it's Vucevic, uh, Vucevic, uh, but he's over with, I think, Partizan, Partizan. Yeah. Um, so I'll need some enunciation correction on a lot of what I just said, but curious what you think, because he can just shoot over closeouts at his size and it's just an effortless stroke to me. Yeah. He's one of those guys that I'm kind of confused about because when I watch his film, you're like, okay, this guy should be a little higher, but then he's, He's he's I have a category of players. I'm like, all right, are you athletic or are you not athletic? Right. He's one of these players that if you give him a runway, he looks pretty athletic. Sometimes he looks fluid. Then sometimes he just looks like he's he's kind of stiff in the hips. Now, the shooting, the form looks good. The form looks a lot better than the actual results. Um, he is playing a little bit more this year. Like I actually went to watch him play last year when he was playing for Real Madrid, but he just barely got any minutes. Like the only action I could watch was really like the pregame and then the, you know, the minutes he may have got at the end of the quarter. Um, but it's, it's good to see that he's 
moved on to Partizan. If I'm not mistaken, Partizan lost their first two games in the EuroLeague, which is which is tough. And I, my, my gut feeling is telling me they're going to bring in a veteran and his minutes are going to be limited again. They're just really not in the position to to give him developmental minutes when they're trying to win the EuroLeague, even though they did not win <laughs> – they they really shouldn't have qualified to get into the Euro League, um, but that's that's a whole that's a whole different subject. So um, I mean, he may play a little bit more in the domestic league, but yeah, I just think they're going to bring in a veteran. They're going to bring in some former NBA player because they have such huge aspirations of winning the Euro League title. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that he can shoot, but it's just one of those things. Like I said, the results and the form. Are, are like on two separate pages. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's fair. I, I I think you probably hit it on the head. I mean, it's a hard situation playing for a team like Partizan that they have incredible expectations while they have an NBA prospect. The balance doesn't ever really work out, I feel like, for a lot of those guys, as long as you're not like Luka Doncic or something. And I don't know. I think, like you said, I think those moments in like warm-ups and things like that and the just kind of not game moments in the game setting are the things you're going to have to look for and scouting and that's that's a huge disadvantage us americans have that aren't overseas i know you've been overseas a lot so you've had the advantage but most of us amateurs doing this don't so it's uh that's going to be a big tell i think when he comes over for his pre-draft whether it's this year whenever it is whenever he comes over and does his training and stuff and nba teams are able to see him in person for the first time that's gonna be big yeah i mean it's still difficult either way because like i said there's like there's like this weird gap in europe between like 18 to about 23 or 24 where you're like too good for your age group but then you just kind of disappear and i always tell people imagine if we took away college basketball (laughs) so where do guys 18 through 22 really develop so it's like you take away college basketball and then you don't have the draft so teams aren't incentivized by tanking Every game counts. So it's easy to get lost in, in that in that draft range or, or the age range. And so I felt like he was kind of heading in that direction, um, especially when he wasn't really playing for Real. And then he has like a weird situation, like with his nationality, because he has like a whole bunch of different nationalities. I think like he was born, he was, I think his dad may be Serbian, his mom may be Greek, but I think he was born in Italy, something like that. So he has multiple countries that he could possibly represent. And so by him not having a lot of international like experience for a national team, I think that makes it a little bit, a little bit tougher also, because some guys, you know, you look at like your Pokashevskis and, and, you know, Franz Wagner and, and and these guys that really made a name for themselves at the under 18s back in 2019 when they were playing for their for their national team. And I haven't seen Vucevic play for for any any national team. So I'm looking at his nationality. It's like Serbian, Swedish and Greek, but he was born in Italy. So, I mean, I don't know. Do you just pick which one that offers the, the best opportunity for playing time? Yeah, that has to be what you do at that point. <laughs> yeah, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he did. I, I think he is supposed to play for one of the teams, and I thought he was supposed to play this summer um, or this past summer, but um, I, I, I didn't see him play. I don't know what happened there. 
Why is there any other shooters that you think could be in the mix to be the, the best shooter in this class? Man, there's there's some good shooters, um, but I don't think there's anybody else that I have that's in the mix just for absolute lights out best shooter in the class. I mean, there's some guys who I guess they stand out. Actually, wait, no, there is one more. I, I got to say, I know he's only six foot, but man, Nigel Pack, that guy's, I, I think he's going to go pro this year. And at six foot, he's easily to me, the best shooter in the country. I, I mean, I'm a little bit biased. I got to see him behind the scenes in Miami, but like, dude, that jumper, I, I was like, you know, normally when I'm watching this stuff, I'm like, okay, okay. I like nod my head. I was like smiling. I was like, holy crap. This dude, he was making, I think I counted 25 threes in a row from just one spot, which in college, I feel like that's not that common. And he has a, he has a bunch of other weapons. I think he sticks personally in the NBA just because he has so many weapons offensively, but I really like him. I think he's somebody who he's going to shoot almost 45% from three with almost 90% free throw. It's funny you mentioned that. And I, I meant to tell you this offline, but I can tell you it right now. So uh, a friend of mine was at Miami's practice yesterday, and he meant this, he, he said that Nigel was still trying to feel his way around. He felt like he wasn't aggressive or assertive, but he says Isaiah Wong is a star. And I saw, yes. man, I, I got to yes. so go. tell my guy, he said, no, man, Isaiah Wong is one of those guys and so this guy was just raving about that's his new favorite player this year he was talking about yes. the passing <laughs> talking about he was making the right reads and he was just saying like he's a dog <laughs> he was so, so i was like <laughs> okay i gotta i gotta tell my guy richard about this but yeah i know this isn't at all what this show this episode is about because like isaiah wong's like an okay shooter it's kind of slow with his shot uh but I'm going to derail the conversation here and close it out with this. Like Isaiah Wong is really good. And I think the jump from Charlie Moore to Nigel Pack for both Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack is going to be massive. I mean, Nigel Pack didn't play with anybody like Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack, or excuse me, Isaiah Wong hasn't played with anybody like Nigel Pack. And that combination, they're going to feed off each other a lot. And the like Isaiah is a really good kid. I, I got to meet him. He's worked on his game. He's super athletic. He he he's a warrior. He plays through everything. I mean, he was sick for like two weeks and just. I mean, he still kept going and stuff. Um, loves being in the gym. I think all the intangibles are there. The only downside I ever saw, and I apologize to any uh, any of these people listening, but he's a Lakers fan. Uh, so I apologize to my Lakers fans listening, which I felt was a downside being from Philadelphia. Uh, being a Lakers fan, that kind of hurt me because I grew up hating the Lakers. That was the only downside of anything I saw when I was at that practice. So uh, I'm excited for Isaiah, though. Like he's really good, and I think I think he's going to shock a lot of people. He's going to be in the ACC Player of the Year running. Okay, remember that. I got one more name for you, Ryan Rupert, who is playing in Australia, and he is your classic three and D guy. He has like a I know he's like six six with like a seven foot wingspan. Has I mean just ridiculously long arms, and even though it's a small sample size, but through five games he's shooting fifty five percent from three and ninety percent from the, the foul line. So he could be in that mix. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, and thank you for making it your first listen of the day. Now check out. Locked on Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am Rafael Barlow. He is Richard Stamen. 
we are out <laughs>